As more AI tools get into the hands of the general public, we're continuing to see creative mischief that tops the headlines, such as AI-generated music, photography, and video. At the same time, we continue to see calls for caution from around the world in terms of ChatGPT and similar generative AI tools. We're going to discuss the latest chaos in, the, in this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. The freight train of AI in the news continues to roll along, causing a lot of headline noise and hand-wringing from some of the experts out there. So joining me on this show to discuss a bunch of these topics is Alex Lawrence. He is an associate professor of business at Weber State University in Utah. He's also on. He's been on our show before earlier uh, this year. He was uh, here to discuss how he uses ChatGPT in his business classes. Welcome back, Alex. Hey, good to see you. Thanks Should I call me. you Professor Lawrence or is Alex okay? Nope, my students call me Alex. Okay, so, so you. Yeah, All right, yeah, cool. Good. Uh, let's let's jump into. If you get out of line, though. If you get out of hand, that you have to, uh, might have, you have to call me Doctor Lawrence. If we okay. Got you, you All right. Know. Well, I'll I'll promise to be good, and I'll raise my hand before I uh, ask any questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's jump. I'm sorry. Let's jump into the first topic. Um, this this got a bunch of headlines. Uh, uh, probably a couple weeks ago, there was an AI generated photo that was submitted to a competition and they sort of did it to make a point, but it ended up winning the competition. Uh, yeah. Chris, can you bring that up on screen? It's the IGN article. Um, just cause, and you've seen this photo, right? Uh, Alex? Oh yeah. The woman yeah. with the mother figure. Right. right. So yeah. it, it was, um, uh, German artist Boris uh, Eldigsgen rejected a prestigious photography award, revealing that his submission was AI-generated, and he was merely trying to spark debate. And this was from the Sony World Photographer Awards. So when you you know when you read about this, is is this something more that we should um, sort of laugh at and go, ha ha, those 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 judges, they didn't they, they they didn't realize that this was an AI sort of photograph, or do we do we blame the the guy for submitting it like where do you stand in terms of because again i know you've used um you know you're a supporter of using chat gpt to help you know people create things in different ways um i i'm on the fence on either way i i, I like the fact that this guy did this um but maybe he should have admitted it before submitting i don't know what what, what are your thoughts on because again i look at the photo and other than the hands that you can't really tell you know and then you look at the hands and they're like those don't look like real hands so, yeah, I mean, I guess my question is, and this is, I was talking to a, a group of educators yesterday is I think we've yet to realize the impacts that this is going to have on the creative uh, culture and the creative opportunities in the world. So music yeah. and art and photography and those kinds of things. And so, um, you know, what if he didn't disclose ever either during or after it would be my question. Uh, and 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 if somebody somehow accused him, how would they prove it? You know, he could probably produce something that would would appear as though he he took the photo and so forth. So, I mean, I, I wonder if um, you know, especially where there's incentives like money and prestige and and things like that. Um, uh, suddenly, you've got people like you and I that can enter photography competitions and and potentially do reasonably well when we've got no business, uh, you know, doing that. And so. I think it's just a really complicated question um, where, you know, do you have special categories for AI? Is it fair game because it's all art? Um, and and so, uh, you know, and, and even then, let's say you set up these categories and so forth. I mean, <laughs> how do you just voluntary disclosure? Right. And so, 
you know, there's a lot of issues uh, that I'm not totally sure what the answer is. It, it does feel like in this case, the, the 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 person who submitted it did have enough of an ethical sort of urging, or you know, there was probably that that uh, conscience that said to him, "Hey, make sure that if you know that if you do win, that you that you sort of admit it." I think he submitted it and didn't admit it, but then once once it won, he's like, oh, wait, wait I right. can't win. I can't win this. Um, because he probably right. knew that he probably would have been caught at some point. Someone would have gone like, wait a second, this doesn't look real. and um, Or they would have been able to use some of these detection tools that I don't know if these detection tools could 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 work on something like this. Um, but, you, you know, this is this is an example in the, in the artwork space where you're just seeing these things and people are sort of, I want to say that they're sort of like poking at the wall to see what's going to see if they can kind of break the wall. Is that does that sound like a, a decent analogy that that people are are using it? And I think that's a good thing that people should continue to sort of use these tools in ways to try to to at least make it so that we can discover this. For example, like again, like you said, if if this person had never admitted it. That he could have won and just walked away, and and that that's I think more disturbing to me than just sort of at least the act of, of trying to do this. Like for example, so I want to I want to show you some other some other photos that I, so I got I got access to the Adobe Firefly uh, yeah. AI generated cool. tool. So this is now so you know there was Dolly which which could generate sort of images and Midjourney which I f I think right now is the best AI art generator out there. Um, in, in terms of the, the, the type of artwork that that's producing. Um, but Adobe's, uh, Adobe's doing it. Now, they're a big corporation, and they're integrating this into Illustrator and Photoshop and other things. But So I finally got, I, I signed up for the access, and I got it. And so um, the coolest thing I think it does is that you can generate uh, text art effects. So you type in a word, and then you type in a description about what you want to fill in the word, and you can change the fonts. So it came up with, so this, I just used my name on this one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, and I, and I think what I, my prompt was basically the word Keith, and then I asked it to put in like tech microphone, blue and green, because that's sort of the colors of the show. Um, and it yeah. matched it really well. And so I could now take this uh, and then, you know, go into Photoshop and I could do some additional things like this. I'm not going to make a, a T-shirt out of this, but I could put this on my Facebook page. I could do some other things. So it, I'm using it as sort of as, as a tool to then kind of enhance, rather than going and learn Illustrator and try to do that myself. And the, the great thing about Adobe Firefly is that it does this amazingly fast. Like I could just change the colors and it was like, boom. Um, and it's not charging me any credits at the moment. So it's just sort of very fast and very, very cool. Um, but on the other hand, all right, so then I asked it to sort of draw me uh, based on my YouTube, my YouTube uh, account for this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, you know, and it, and it produced some really bad stuff. But then I said, all right, do the same thing, but now put me in a hoodie, um, give me a beard, give me the glasses. And it came up with this. And this is actually not bad. This is yeah, pretty no, right? Yeah. And although, the, yeah. again, it still doesn't do letters right. The AI cannot do like actual words. 
correctly. Um, at least uh, as no, far as I can tell. Not at the moment. But that sort yeah. of looks like me. I don't understand what all that the, the white stuff up there is near the. But that's sort the of. Eyes are a little weird. Yeah, yeah and the, the eyes, eyes look a little, little weird. And yeah. um, all right, yeah. but then I tried to. So then there was another one where I was talking on on my show, and this is now the the nightmare fuel stuff. So I tried to get it to do to replicate a photo of of me dressed up as an alligator mascot getting a kiss from a female fan, and I've discussed huh. this before. And the first thing it produced was this. And this is just, this is now the nightmare fuel. Um, mm. This is just, like obviously kind of you can tell that that's obviously not a, a, a real photo. Um, yep. The closest it got was this one, which oh was uh, an actual alligator. But it, that's not a mascot. It's a guy wearing an alligator. Um, I mean, I have to say there's yeah. some sort of a psychological analysis here that might need to be done for your, the choice of prompt. I mean, the alligator mask, I don't know what that means, but hey. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, I was just, so I have a photo of this when I was a mascot in, in, the, in my 20s. I was a, I was a mascot okay. for okay. for. Okay. You know, a couple games. Uh, yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then I try. So my go to is my go to prompt to just to see how good some of these tools are, are Dorothy from the Golden Girls in the kitchen with Alf from the 1980s sitcom. And, <laughs> and big time. Right? And it's horrible. Yeah. So this is, this is yeah. like, oh, right. yeah. And this puppet oh. that it created, like this is going to give me like nightmares. And that's seriously, that looks like a, <laughs> and it does have a difficult time. Um, yeah. You know, grabbing stuff like that, but that's that's right now, and 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 that's in public uh, tools. You know, private tools and tools that are going to be updated and released. And I tell people this all the time. I was in this meeting yesterday, and they kept saying, "Oh well, it it doesn't have information past 2021, and it gets this thing wrong and that thing wrong." And I said, "Agreed, all valid." But you think that's going to be true a year from now? Um, you know, with the pace of innovation, the amount of investment going into this, the the the, the the intellect of the people that are working on it. Like, yeah. You know, how to just think just a little bit down the road and recognize that's, that's not going to be an issue here soon. So, so one of the things I was thinking about when I was sort of generating these and seeing some of these stories out there of, of people that are trying to sort of poke, poke the holes into the, in the AI is that, so I'm, I'm in my, I'm over 40. I'm going to just say that I'm, I'm, I've been around a while. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And, and so I, and again, I have this ethical basis of like, I can't think of anything really bad, to try to trick it. Uh, and then I realized that we should just hand off this technology to 13 year old boys. Um, and because, or 13 year old teenagers are the, the ones that try to like basically do the most like nasty things to anything. Like they just comment about any, they don't have a filter. Um, and, and I'll, and it brings me back to when I was a kid and the, the worst thing I could do with technology was, um, create the word boobies on my calculator when you, when yeah. you did it upside down, sure. which again, if anybody under the age of 40 is listening, they're like, what the hell is he talking about? But, um, that was, that was the mischief that we got into now, but now you're seeing like mischief of, of all sorts, including the Snapchat AI, which apparently someone got it to the AI to spit out uh, a racial slur um and they tricked yeah. it and so some of these tricks that are coming up with i think i you know are again are, are either they're they're being thought of by minds that are either more devious than me or it's a bunch of 13 year old teenagers um that leads me to the question you deal with a lot of younger folks in, in your classes and you've been integrating chat gpt and these tools into some of your classes how has that been going is it is it are they are they adopting it are you finding that they're sort of coming up with ways to to trick it or you know what's what's been your experience so far yeah i mean so uh, there hasn't been really a reason for them to trick it as it relates to my courses okay. right so but we spend a lot of time just talking about you know 
expanding their thinking about how they can use it, ways they can use it. Um, and there's there's been a real interest, I would say, from students in having it try to figure out how to do side hustles for them to make passive income. That's uh, where they're starting to get kind of creative and what can I set it up to do for me? So, you know, can I, can I you know, grab work online doing this and that and the other? Um, so there's, there's some, uh, there's a lot of interest in that, helping yeah. them to make money using it. Um, you know, in terms of my classes and my assignments, since it's all out in the open and we, we just talk about it and we get creative together, but it's really creativity in the prompts and creativity in the tools. And, and we're using more, you know, some of the AI generated PowerPoint type stuff to help them, you know, create these presentations, um, AI generated, uh, like video review. So when they're recording things to help them get rid of the ums and the ahs and the, and the, uh, the saying like too many times mm-hmm. and, and things such as that. And so, so I think that the tools that, that they're using are, are, uh, it's creative, but, but not, uh, getting that way outside of the box. The thing that's, that's kind of a little bit, uh, it, it's interesting. I know some students are not, are, are cheating with it and not telling me. Okay. Um, and so uh, I, I've talked to a few of them that when I feel like it's really obvious. Um, and and finally, I had one student that essentially cut and pasted an entire uh, GPT response into multiple slides. And, and the reason you could tell is just the gray, the gray background, yep. you know, between yep. all the text. And so I, I ca- talked to this person on the phone and, and they admitted it. And I essentially, um, you know, said I could fail you, and but I won't. I could turn you in, but I won't, but I need you to go back through and redo all the assignments and I'll trust you as to which ones you used it on and didn't, didn't tell me. And, and you need to do it by, you know, this date. And they right. were grateful for that. And they went through and redid everything on their own. But, but I am, uh, you know, a little bit bummed that even though I'm so open about it and so encouraging and so let's do this, it's great that I'm still having students that aren't disclosing the use and they're trying to pawn off GPT. And, you know, you can't, I can ask the question unless I have proof I can't, can't right. do anything. I, right. I don't want to spend much time on that. But in the obvious cases like this, where it was just super lazy, to be honest, they just, they just cut and pasted. And I called them on the phone and said, come on, be straight with me. And they were. So, so I think the, the creative uses where they're, where they're also, sorry to go on and on, where they're also really interested though, is in the music area. Yeah. Because they're all, you know, Students are really into me. We can talk about that, but they're really fascinated by what's going on in the music world. Yeah, that's uh, with, that's with, that's that's a great segue. That's the uh, was my next topic was um, okay. how much did okay. you hear? Like, you know, how much do you know about sort of the the Drake weekend? Uh, there was. Y- the, you know, when I try to hear, I haven't heard the song um, because I think every time that, that someone tries to post the song, it gets taken down. And there's there's a conspiracy theory going on that it may have been generated by actually someone associated with Drake or, you know, that they're, yeah. they're trying to get to drum up publicity for something. So um, I, I, I haven't really put a lot of stock into that. Plus, I'm not a, a sort of a fan of that that music anyway. Um, but then there was another article that came out this week that said gr- um, gr- <laughs> an artist named Grimes and I don't know who this is either but says anyone can use her voice for ai generated songs there she is on the screen um uh so you're also finding out and again it's it's about using that artist's voice and then sampling it and and sort of creating something new out of something in the zix and that and that's been going on for years in, in the music industry as well um is that is that what you're 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 finding you know you you have students that are doing this uh as well in terms of creating new music because again i'm not in that music generation sort of space yeah Yeah, so um so i have heard it and i played it for them and i don't think any of them had heard it yet 
Um, now, I mean, I just barely came out. And I, I obviously pay attention to this stuff yeah. pretty closely, but uh, I, I, if I recall, I don't think I told them. Um, we we actually do a music related assignment in my classes anyway, and so I kind of started playing it, and and to, I told them it was Drake in the weekend, and and uh, you can kind of see them bobbing their heads and stuff. And when I said, "Hey, this is complete, 100% AI generated," their voices, the 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 track, the the word, the the words, everything, and several of them were like, "What?" Because yeah. they know these artists really well. And so, uh, so yeah, that was, um, but, but where they're interested is, uh, some of them are messing around with it in terms of music creation, um, especially the ones that are musical, but the, the, the thing that I keep kind of checking in with them on is, okay, you just listen to that song. Do you care that it was generated by AI? You know, does it matter to you? And the, the universal response has been no. Uh, you know, if I, if I like it and that's cool and it sounds like who I think it is, then, then no turn it up, you know? And so that, uh, if I'm in the music industry, I think that probably scares me more than excites me because that's, uh, that's very disruptive, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm, and I'm wondering if that's generational as well that I, you know, I think, would I, would I care if a song came out from one of my favorite artists from like the eighties, if it was generated by AI, like I, I'm a little disturbed by some of the sort of the video deep fakes that people are, are thinking about. Like um, the biggest example is Harrison Ford, like Indiana Jones, they've got yeah. the new movie coming out and they've used the technology yeah. to sort of DH him. And yep. that is also sort of uh, part of the whole AI stuff. It's not necessarily AI, but after, you know, after a lot of these actors pass away, can the studios then use their images and their voices and create, you know, so we don't have to ha actually hire a new Indiana Jones. If they want to keep doing those movies, you could just use yeah, so the old too. footage and that, that I, I don't know if I would support it unless like you said, it was a good story and it was a good, interesting, you know, sort of idea for a movie. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of thoughts around that. Um, you know, I think the vast majority of us are casual music listeners. And so we don't have that tie to, to, you know, we may have a few favorites or whatever. The, the people that are really into music, yeah, I think they'd be like, oh, that's not really them. I'm not, my yeah. intrigue, someone might totally turn them off. But the majority of music listeners and buyers, I think, are, are just interested in, a, in an entertaining song that, or that they like the way certain artists sounds. And again, I'm not in the music industry, but that's my, my anecdotal experience over the years. So I think a lot, of, to your point, what if somebody's dead and a new song can come out that sounds just like them and, and sounds like something they would have done? A new Michael Jackson song, for example, that comes out that's really cool. And, and so there's going to be a large group of people that are going to think that's really disrespectful and wrong. And obviously his estate and others are going to try and sue him and take it down. But then there's going to be another group of people that'll be like, but it's a cool song. And yeah. it, you know, it, we, we can't have music from him anymore. What a miracle that we can, you know, have an extension of that. And so I don't know the ratios of where that's going to land, but same thing in movies. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan and I'm really excited that it's coming out. It was a big part of my childhood and, and memories of going to the movies yeah. and stuff. If Harrison Ford were dead, and they were, I would rather just get a new Indiana Jones, just like a James Bond, you know, right. I, I want a new one. Um, but, but how many decades have to go by before, before, you know, maybe that isn't as big a deal or it doesn't matter, but then, then it's not special either. I mean, I'm dying for Indiana Jones to come out this summer and yeah. it's been several years, but if a new one could come out, you know, every week, <laughs> right. Then, you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, that's part of the thing is the build up to it. And the fact that there's only one every so many years yeah. and things like that. So it's not as special anymore. 
And so I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a bumpy ride. With that I think stuff. you just described the Marvel universe in terms of that's what people are experiencing I, now. There's so many Marvel yeah. movies that people are going to be like, I'm kind of getting sick of this Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah. And especially, but, but then again, you know what? Some private creators might make something awesome. That's better. In fact, they will. There'll yeah. be some private creators who have so much more creativity and so much more freedom and, and uh, they're going to put something out that's going to be like, whoa, that's way better than, uh, you know, what we've seen the last couple of years from here, from there, whatever. And then in that case, do, does the end user, the the fan care? Probably not because it's so awesome. You know? Yeah, I, I think especially in the movie space, we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, AI generated scripts that screenwriters are probably going to use to sort of start the idea. And then as they as you know, and then they'll write the script, it's not going to be completely written. It's not going to be sort of the copy paste thing that you were describing earlier. I think you're going to use it to sort of like frame me the movie or the plot. And then maybe I'll change some of the things to see here. And then and then does that become, you know, written by so and so supported by AI? These are all these questions that I think that that we're going to have to start dealing with in the creative and entertainment space. Like, oh, man, in, in, in five years, I think you'll be able to do a. A, a pretty dang good movie completely from your home. Create one. Actors, actresses, uh, soundtrack, uh, the whole thing, script, all of it. And it, it'll be a pretty good movie. It won't be Avatar. Yeah. But uh, but it'll be a pretty darn good movie within five years. And, and so the cool part about that is a lot of, lot of but it's going to be inundated. I mean, there's going to be so many movies out, <laughs> but, but you know, the nature of marketplaces, the best ones will, will make it to the top. Right. The, but, but what does that do to the movie industry? I mean, I can't even get my head around that. Yeah. Uh, whenever, when anybody can make a movie essentially at some point. Right. So right. Uh, I, I don't know what that does. Well, that's, that's um, the whole thing that happened with the, like, it's this idea of the, the democratization of, of content that we've been seeing for years. I mean, obviously anybody can have a YouTube channel if they, if they want, to just commit to the sort of the the you know the approach and the content you're creating and creating and creating and yeah, but the effort to, the effort now is so much less. I mean, think about the right. craft and the and so and the money to hire actors and actresses and do uh, auditions and go back and forth with scripts a million times. I mean that 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 bar just became so much lower for people that have good creative ideas but no training or skill. Or, or capital yeah. to do this. Stuff. And so when you start to talk about it like that, it's like, wow, that's a good thing. You know, it brings all, but then, then you start to kind of think about, it's not completely good because it's going to displace uh, an industry that, that in my opinion, needs to have some of that uniqueness and that, and that high bar in order to produce the quality that, that I think the world uh, you know, needs. But, so, but, I, but I, it's such a complicated yeah, question. Like, but couldn't you just take the sort of the, the, the people that have the experience doing things without AI, for example, you've got, you know, a cinematographer and like you've in a screenwriter and things like that, but can't you take sort of the, the AI tool, generate the idea or generate sort of the, the baseline and then improve on it. That's what we're seeing with a lot of AI tools. That's what I'm doing in my classes. That's what you do with right. your business, like all these business tools, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. this summer in my classes, I'm going to, I'm putting all of my classes through an intense AI scrub saying two things. One, uh, these are my these are who my students are. This is a persona profile of my students, and help me take what I've done and make it better for that persona. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's years and years and years of content for me that's being dumped in. So I'm the original author for sure. Yeah, but it's helped me edit that so that that the output I know it will be. 
better because no matter how much I try, it kills me. I always have some students that say, I just don't understand what you mean. And, 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 and I oftentimes I'm like, I don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've spent time. And, and so I think that, uh, that there's that. There's also some really interesting things I'm seeing um, in these new AI tools and beta stuff where, where you can give it the, the information you want to lecture on or teach, and it'll help you create custom chatbots so that students can interact with the chatbot and ask questions back and forth in real time. No, explain it to me this way, explain it to me that way to help interpret what it is that yeah. you're teaching or on or whatever and that kind of stuff is really cool well yeah and so that gets into the question do you think that ai will then replace teachers and professors and and things yeah, like that I've, I've, yeah i mean i've, I've seen some stuff online where you know like again my so i've got a an eighth grader who asks me for help in in math and algebra and i try to explain a certain concept and she's like i, I don't know if i get it and i jump right onto youtube and then go well maybe this will help and then we watch the video and then i sort of explain what the guy in the video is doing and then you know but i'm but i'm seeing that that's some some of those chat gpt tools can do that too when you be you get sort of a back and forth and maybe because again everybody learns in different ways but you know, are you, are you concerned that, 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 you know, someday an AI might be teaching one of your classes? Yeah. So, I mean, the ability to create a custom tutor mm-hmm. that you can modify to, to explain things to you in real time, however you want, is super powerful for learning. And I'm helping my kids figure that out. Um, and, and which it's funny, they don't really want to yet. They're still kind of like, no, thanks. And so, but I think that'll change. So there's two, uh, I, I thought, think about this a lot and talk with others about it a lot. There's two, there's two things that really impact that. There's, for a long period of time, I think there's going to be a section of students that want to learn in person, that or live from a from another uh, person. Yep. There's always they learn better that way. They like the interaction. They like going onto campus and being in class and being around other students and the social and stuff. And so AI really can't it can't replicate that. You're right. There's a physical. So so there's always going to be a I believe and and it's a pretty good chunk of of college aged. Uh, students that that like that if and so it's the online ones especially the asynchronous online ones where i think that becomes uh much more of a challenge and so the but but the opportunity is still there to do two things i've said this from day one it's going to force professors to up their game which is great teachers in general you got to up your game you got to be current you got to be bringing it mm-hmm. but the other thing is that that professors that have real life experiences that get to know these students on a personal level that may have a network that they can help these students connect to if they've got professional background or, or professional uh, ties and stuff. That is also really difficult to replicate, but the professor has to have those things in order to offer them. Right. And so it requires more interest in your students, more getting, so smaller classes. If you're, in, if you're teaching 300 students, uh, in which my institution, Weber State, our class sizes are, you know, I think they average around 30, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason I love teaching there. You know, I get to know my students. They get to know me. I open my network up to them. I, I talk to them about real stories that have happened and are happening out in the business world. And a lot of times we just discuss stuff that just you just riff on things and tangent. And so as long as that is really high value and really current, and then I'm using AI to augment that, then then personally, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm offering something that is going to be worth it to them. Right. That, that value is there, especially since Weber State so affordable. Um, and so, so, but... If you're not doing those things and it's really expensive or you're kind of mailing it in and there's not a personal experience and it's asynchronous and online and stuff, there's going to be so many tools out there from startups. They're going to say, don't do that, do this. And it's $20 a month or it's free or whatever. Other than the credential, which is becoming less and less required, it's going to be a tough sell. 
but but that's going to happen over time i don't think it's it's like these boot camps and and other you know they're they're really powerful tools for graduating software developers they're great they learn a lot they learn it faster they learn it cheaper they get jobs yeah if you look at the impact that's had on the number of computer science students uh across the nation it's like a rounding error you know it doesn't even show up and so uh uh you know the 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 timeline between that happening and it and it really disrupting i think is is a, a bit of time but but i'm all for it i'm all for it right right you know, yeah, it, so it, it's definitely that you're on that you're on the the side of embracing it, using it, making yourself better as well, and then helping. And then as the tools get better too, you just sort of ride that wave uh, rather than try to put up the walls. Now, out of all of this sort of the the creative part of the generative AI, I don't feel like this is ne- not necessarily dangerous to humanity um, in terms of, yeah, it, it, there is a potential for disrupting jobs and careers and things like that. And, and people will adjust. I think I've been of that, you know, the, the my attitude is, you, you know, technology has always sort of took, taken some jobs away, but it's also created more jobs than it's taken away and people adapt and people adjust. And I think it'll happen the same way with AI. But on the other hand, you also no, are seeing, yeah, go ahead. You, do you disagree on you don't yeah. think what? I I don't think this is going to happen that 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 same way where the jobs lost are going to be replaced in in any reasonable amount of time. I think there's going to be a big gap there. I think there's going to be a big job loss, and there's going to be quite a bit of time before those are are regained. And because the quantity of job loss, again, I I'm nobody's bigger fan than I am. But <laughs> let's just talk about can I can do you mind if we go down this path? Yeah, sure, sure. I, I I thought you would be on sort of on my side of things on in terms of that new jobs would be created, but. Because I, I, be. I come from the automation side of things, too, where yeah. they, they talk about this in robotics all the time, too. Um, so go robotics ahead. is 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 kind of this industry of making things. Yeah. AI can hit music and art and math and science and business and journalism and da 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 Like, overnight, it can hit all of them. And so let's just talk about one that I've been thinking about. Let's talk about customer service jobs. There's millions of those jobs in America, right? Where they're doing telephone and email customer service. I, I would imagine there's millions of jobs. Do you think that's yeah, hundreds that's fair. of thousands? Fair to say. You know? um, so, so you've got a scenario where you've got the customer who's calling or emailing. And, and I'm talking about the majority of customer service, which is probably what, like 20 of the same questions or 90% of the questions. You know, you're calling T-Mobile. You got a question about your bill, yep. about your service, right? So, so I'm not talking about complicated or or nuanced. Or I'm talking about the vast majority of of telephone and email customer service. So, from a customer side, what would make that experience great for me? It's open 24/7. Don't have to call during business hours. There's no hold time or wait time. Mm-hmm. The person that answers the phone speaks as a first language, the same language that I do. Uh, they know all the answers. They're friendly. Um, and so, so if, if those things, that's really all I'm looking for, those six things in the customer service email or phone call, right? There's nothing else. I get the answer I want. I didn't have to wait. It's a nice person right. know, or email, right? So, so that's it. Those check all the boxes from a, from a customer standpoint for a perfect experience. On the business side, my customers want that and I can give that to them much less expensively. I can make more money mm-hmm. and have less headaches and give the customer exactly what they want. So now you've got both sides of that. And in between it, you have a human that's answering the phone or or responding to emails. Why in the world, uh, unless you just really like people and you don't want to let go of people and you're loyal to people, which is a great thing, but if why in the world would those jobs stick around 
uh, seriously, why, why would those millions of jobs stay or some percentage of those millions of jobs stay if, if both of those things well, are true? Well, you would still hold on to a customer service rep if they could solve the 10% of the problems that maybe the, the chatbot can't. Solve. Sure, but what? But okay, but let's say out of millions of jobs, do you keep ten thousand people? To do you keep twenty thousand people? Uh, I mean, it's going to be. I mean, isn't is a customer service a really crappy job anyway? <laughs> but but here's my point. Here's my point. You let's say you've got let's just round up. Let's say you got okay. a million people that that do that, and and a hundred thousand of them are going to be kept to handle the ten percent jobs. Okay, I don't know. So those nine hundred thousand people, what are you going to train them to quickly do? How do they replace that job? What are they going to go do? Oh, you're asking me like, what? What? They're not going to go do something else in AI because that's going to require quite a bit of. I mean, I'm not discounting that because I've done that job. I'm just saying, I there's not an immediate path. Yeah. To upskill or change skills, and and when you've got both sides of that equation that so want the same thing, I don't know why it doesn't happen relatively quickly. As soon as the voice technology with the AI is well, I'll give you. So I'll give you a very real example. I'm on LinkedIn. And an e-commerce company that I know and follow that sells uh, products, the last 30 days, they've done their customer service 100% using AI. And they saved, like, I want to say they saved like $750 a week doing it. And, and, and customer satisfaction was up 350%. So, so why are they going to hire more customer service people? And why are they, in fact, uh, they obviously let some people go if they saved $750 a week, they let go a customer service person or two. I'll give you a second example. I had lunch uh, yesterday with the CEO of a, of a company I'm uh, intimately involved in, and they are, this is a jump from customer service. They're done hiring software developers. They don't think they need more because they think the developers they have with AI, can, and they've been high growth, profitable, growing, you know, they're not hiring anymore okay. because they think the, the, the developers they have plus AI, so, but they'd be hiring feverishly otherwise. So, so that jumped over to software development, which is another specifically impacted. But back to this very real example, why wouldn't young companies, medium-sized companies, startups where money is really important and you see these kind of results, start letting people go or at very least stop hiring people while they right. figure it out? Well, uh, I, like, you know, I, I, would, I would also think that the, if you wanted to hold on to those customer service people, at least cut down your call times. If, if you are calling and it's like, you know, your call is very important to us, you'll be, we'll be on the line in 30 or 40 minutes. Obviously, if you can get down that, that down to like two minutes, I think well, I would be still... zero with AI. It'd be yeah, zero. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to give you an example of something that happened to me. So I ordered something and I'm going to just, uh, it's Amazon. I ordered something from Amazon. It was delivered. Uh, I opened the box and it was the wrong item. And this was um, some syrup for a soda stream machine that I have. Yep. Um, they didn't send me the right one. So I go on to the Amazon site and I said, I want to do a return. And I, you know, you, you go through the menus and, and yep. it, it says, oh, you can't return this or replace it because it's food or whatever. It's considered food. Yep. And yep. I went into a, a, web, a web loop for about three minutes, couldn't figure out how to do it. A, I couldn't then also call anybody. Like, cause Amazon doesn't put their phone number on. I say on. you can't call anybody in Amazon period. Yeah. Know, right? So, That's so it. now, so then finally it's, I, I, I finally then said, all right, I'll go use the chat bot because again, my experiences with chat bots have always been awful. And this was before AI or at least before, you know, this is still the sort of the call and response type of, of AI systems. So I went on and, and then, you know, I basically typed in my question that said, you know, I can't return it, but you delivered the wrong item. Like I want, you know, I need a refund at this point. That was my sort of my only 
thing that I could do because I didn't want to have this product. It, it's not what I ordered. And fine. And, and again, it, it then's like, you know, it, it, I could tell it was a chatbot because it was like, okay, let me look this up for you and please be patient. It was all polite and all that other stuff. But it was like, I know that this is a chatbot. And eventually it did actually, I had to like trigger it a couple of times, push a more couple buttons like, hey, what's going on with this? And then they finally said, uh, oh, well, yeah, your refund is all processed and you'll get it in three or five days, whatever. I don't know if that, if finally a human stepped in and typed in like, okay, you're all set with a refund. Um, so yes, the chatbot did work, but was I satisfied with this sort of arrangement where if, as if I did call and explain the situation and they could have said, oh yeah, that's probably, a, you know, we should have programmed that into the website a lot better. I don't know. I well, still, like I said, we just kept, we just kept uh, 100,000 people out of a million to do that job, right? And yeah. I would say my experience with Amazon, the chatbots has been great. It's quick. It gets it right. It, it processes stuff. I'm like, man, I, I love it when, and granted, I'm an early adopter. I love it when I can go to a website and there's a chat bot or a live chat that appears to be a person because I get 24-7 access. I get yeah. quick answers. And again, the nuanced stuff, okay, we kept 100,000 people to handle that using our example, but the other 900,000, you know, what, where do they go? Where do they, where do they transition to get jobs that with the skill set? Do you have thoughts on what, on like how, what you would do if you were sort of in charge of those companies? Would you direct those people to look for different careers or different options for them? Like more training? Is it, is it something like you train them in a different field? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. It really depends on the company because it's, it's tough in general, that question, because having run businesses and still running businesses, you know, there's a couple of considerations. I mean, one, they're just, they're people and they're part of your team and they're humans and stuff. And you want to be yeah. empathetic. Like, like you don't want to, you don't want to, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but you don't want to tell them like, oh, just go learn to code. Like, cause that seems, yeah, that's very cold. Yeah. But on the flip side, if the business is going to get disrupted, you've got an obligation to the other people that aren't going to be, you know, that work there that aren't directly infect, affected by like, say a customer service job. And so it's a tough, I don't know what the answer is, but, but, I can tell you what companies are doing. They are they are seriously looking at, at replacing, not hiring for a lot of these jobs because again, the customer satisfaction went up 350%. Yeah. So 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 you can you can make yourself sleep at night if you are having a hard time with it by saying, but they, it's a better experience for our customers. They want it, they need it, they like it. And it's not anecdotal. It's very, very, you know, the, the call times are down, the wait times are down, the survey satisfactions are up, da 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 da. And again, I, I can tell you I I know I would feel that way if if those six things were were handled really well. And so that's just one subset of jobs, though. I mean, you can start, let's talk about journalists. Let's talk okay. about writers. Let's know people that yeah. write, you know, like, so, so typically you'd have a, a journalist that kind of has a beat, right? They've got a specialty right on this topic. And they, yeah. they're, they're the, they write about politics, right? For example, and then sports and then religion and then, right? Well, now can you have one person that does all of them, right? So it's still a human. It's still part of the hundred thousand of the million example, but now instead of nine, you've got one, right? And so, so. You know, okay, so now they, they all have journalism degrees and they're great journalists. And so now what do they go do? What are they trained to do? They're, they're, 
well, you can get a job writing for somebody else, but that that waterfall effect will happen. So maybe they're starting their own thing. They're doing their own subset. Yeah, their own there's channel, a there's own, there's a subset you know. of journalism. Like obviously, you know, the AIs can write a story or, or at least write things that are based on. Uh, I, but I don't know if a, if if they can. Well, okay, they can probably cover events and news and things like that. But a lot of the things that go on in journalism is also about cu- cultivating your sources and you know having relationships with other people and and using those relationships. Again, that's part of the that's part of the hundred thousand though. A lot of news that I read is just news. It's just it's, it's just rewritten it's just, it's press just releases. Writing about what's going on. It's not investigative journalism. Yeah. That's the hundred thousand of the million I'm talking about. The other nine hundred thousand are, you know, what happened with Trump and DeSantis yesterday, and what happened with the the Lakers and the the Grizzlies last night. And yeah, what, they're not talking. It's not really sources. It's kind of regurgitated stuff that somebody's writing. And I guarantee you, they're using AI right now to generate that stuff. And I'm not trying to degrade journalism in any way. It's I'm just saying that that then you start thinking about okay, like when you were talking about your name and the logo stuff, think about the the people that are doing logo design, website design, ad campaigns, creative. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I need some business card designs for something. And I thought, man, why, why wouldn't I just go to, to Midjourney and some other ones and say, you know, here's my logo and here's right. what I'm looking for. Whip me up a bunch of them. And five minutes later, I got one I like and sent it off to the printer. And and that just saved me, you know, 150 bucks from Logo Works or, you know, a few hundred dollars more from a local designer. I got it faster. I got to iterate really quick until um, I got something that I liked. And so I just start thinking about all those creative folks that do kind of this so again, the hundred thousand are boy. No, I want a special website. I want a really cool app. I really yep. want to consult with my design and really think about what it says and the branding. But but that's a hundred thousand. The other nine hundred thousand, I need a business card. I right. need a logo. Right. I want my name. And and they're not going to use those folks uh, hardly at all in the coming years because the outcome is better. It's easier. It's cheaper. It's faster. And they like the result better. Those are pretty compelling incentives. Alex, I was, I, you know, I was all excited about this, and now, now you're now, now well, I'm not. Now I, I'm I mean, sad. this is a weird spot. Where I'm so excited about it, and I'm on the forefront of it, but I, I'm scared, and I don't know the answers, and I'm anxious about it because it's like, okay, so now those creative folks, especially the ones that hang in their own shingle, doing their own thing, where do they go? Well, they've got to up. They've got up. They've got to get into the really custom. But how much room is there? Yeah. For those, you know? And and so I don't know, man. Well, you know, know. there's also there's also a market of of people that may never go to a website and try to design this themselves, or they you know they're not going to have. I mean, obviously, you and I, we love this stuff. So I'm trying everything on Mid Journey, and I'm trying everything on Adobe, and all this other stuff. But uh, have you seen the new um, spreadsheet stuff that's out there that for that's that's uh, Excel competitors? No, I'm I'm trying. I I try to avoid anything that with spreadsheets. (laughs) Okay, so listen, okay. listen. All right. So, so the the formulas and dealing with spreadsheets is is can be really complex and intimidating, yep. right? But it's super powerful. And so that skill set is kind of like, oh, people that think that way, that do that stuff, they're mathematical, they're numbers oriented, but they they it's a powerful tool for analysis and stuff. So this new tool that I saw, I can't remember what it's called, and I can promise you that Excel will have this integrated some version of this within the year. Mm-hmm. You just, you just talk to it like a person and you just say, you give it access to all the data. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's, all, here's all the data. Will you tell me what the average of this for the last three years and create a chart for me that shows that? 
and, and that's all you do is type in and boom the chart and they say oh no can you do that in a different chart that's these colors and can you actually expand the time frame then the creepy thing what other things am i missing with this data that you could show me that would be interesting what other things that you think might help me make these kinds of strategic decisions or business decisions or whatever with the data that you have can you show me so i don't even know what i need to ask i'm asking it and i'm just talking typing to it whatever just exactly like i'm now you don't need to know anything about the formulas you don't need to know anything about the math you don't need any know anything yeah. about how the spread works and now you've got all this this access to data so now what about analysts right that all they do is crunch this stuff and create reports and dashboards and and so if i can make it easy enough for you to do little prompt bar you know little little 60 second video that walks me through how to do it plug in a few data sources and have it start putting out information about how to optimize your youtube channel like anal analyze all your subscriber uh data and all your traffic data and say hey tell me what what keywords i should be optimizing for and where i should be placing ads and what kind of content i should be doing more of and 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 other things you think that i could do to make my youtube channel subscriber growth uh improve based on all the analytics and data and back end and that's all you asked it and it yeah. came out with really good suggestions i mean that's 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 a whole industry that that just got impacted that right does that but it does feel like that a lot of these tools will help people that don't want to spend that time to either to, to to learn all this stuff and go out and pay for all that stuff too it just oh it, it, the collective intelligence is going to go through the roof yeah well that's but good right <laughs> yeah but then people don't i mean this is a discussion i have with a bunch of educators yesterday what happens to learning about critical thinking what happens to learning about how things lead to the answers and then the counter argument is yeah but calculators right yeah. I mean, do we teach them the long division? No, we just teach them how to punch things into it and, and uh, you know, stick shifts in manual. Do we teach people how to drive stick shifts anymore? You know, not really, you know? And, and so there's, again, it's, it's you can go back and forth and make yeah. compelling arguments both S ways for sure. Same thing with cursive writing. My kids don't know how to do exactly. cursive writing, but then they need to do their signature and their signatures look, I don't even know what they're signing when they sign these things. Have you tried to write? I mean, I have to, I do every, every, you know what? Every now and then I do, I do try to practice my cursive again because that's how we're, that's how the generation X is going to destroy all of the younger generations. <laughs> so we're going to send <laughs> secret messages in cursive. <laughs> Seriously, well, my writing looks like a secret message yeah. now, not officially. It's my writing is so poor. I have to really think about it to have it be uh, legible. So, but anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting and scary. All this stuff. All right, sure. Alex, we're gonna have you back on another episode, I'm sure, because uh, this stuff is always fascinating to talk with you about, and just to get that real world experience from the education side, it's 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 great. So, uh, thanks again for joining us on the show. Yeah, great to be with you again. Look forward to next time. All right, that's it all the time we've got for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to our channel, and add any comments that you have below. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.